1: you're free how you doing i'm leslie marshall happy tuesday and welcome or welcome back only true democracy and talk thank you for listening to us on radio on live stream on our podcast watching us on twitter's periscope facebook live youtube live and today we welcome linkedin live which i thought we were already on but i guess we got approved had to wait for that process so glad to be with everybody out there watching us on linkedin live as well and i can't think of a better guest to start off our uh, new voyage as part of the linkedin live family and the linkedin live family viewers being a part of the leslie marshall show family than scott paul scott is a friend of mine personally a friend of the show and certainly the organization which he is a president of of uh, is not only a friend of the show, but a friend of the American workers, specifically in manufacturing. Scott is president of the Alliance for American Manufacturing, and the AAM is a partnership established by some of America's leading manufacturers and the United Steelworkers Union. Now, for decades, Scott and the AAM have worked to make American manufacturing a top-of-mind issue for voters, and we see that certainly has been true, and our national leaders. They've done it through effective advocacy, innovative research, and a savvy- EPR strategy. Check out their website, AmericanManufacturing.org. You know, a lot of people really want this push um, to offset this uh, trade deficit that we have with China and buy more American products, AmericanManufacturing.org has a lot of good things, uh, information about what is made in the USA, keeping things made in the USA, and we as consumers being able to buy those products made in the USA by American workers and American uh, manufacturing. Uh, Go also to Twitter, follow them there at Keep It Made in USA, and follow Scott at Scott Paul AAM. Hey, Scott, more than a pleasure to have you back on the show. Happy Tuesday, and thank you for joining us. Um, uh, Good to have you with us. And uh, certainly to talk about so many issues today. Thank you.
2: Absolutely, Leslie. Happy Post Independence Day. Um, it is great to be with you to talk about uh, a few a few issues today. Yeah.
1: Yeah. One of the issues we want to talk about when we talk about investing in America and being consumers of American-made products, American manufacturing and American goods, um, is investing in America, right? And we now have the House, although Democratic majority is not huge, they have passed the Invest in America Act. Um, They uh, passed it with uh, the Invest in America Act uh, for this year, 2021, including a $715 billion investment in surface transportation and water infrastructure. Now, a couple of things, so that people understand. Can you tell us what surface trans- transportation and water infrastructure are? It would seem to be common sense, but maybe not. And also, is $715 billion, although it sounds like a huge price tag, kind of small when you look at what we really need in the areas of surface transportation and water infrastructure?
2: Right. Keeping in mind the civil engineers say we need trillions of dollars of new investment. This will start to chip away at that, but by no means will it check the box. We still have to make progress. And obviously, we have to get this past the finish line. But what what is infrastructure? What is is this? So the surface transportation uh, is a fancy way of saying roads, so our highways that are federally funded, bridges, uh, and uh, uh, public transit. Uh, So things like uh, public buses, uh, light rail, uh, commuter rail, uh, subways. Uh, And so Th- that pot of money uh, would go, and, and this would, by the way, also include things like for other modes of transportation like bike lanes or oh smart buses. So I was just going to jump in and say the
1: things we consider traditionally to be infrastructure yeah. with the re- ever-changing definitions of it. But wow, bike lanes, you never even think of that. More and more cities have those. More and more people are biking. What? Certainly a lot more people started biking in COVID, whether to just get out of the house, to move, to lose weight, to be healthy.
2: Exactly. And that's that's actually been part of the law for uh, for, you know, more than a decade now. But there'll be more funding uh, available to uh, to to scale those bike line lanes. I I know that in Washington, D.C., we enjoy them. I know in other communities they're ahead of us and others they're behind us. And so. And the drivers like them because some drivers
1: get mad at the bikers for being in the road. Right. Yeah.
2: (laughs) Yeah. As a biker, uh, I can I I certainly uh, have have some appreciation for having that. Uh, I'm not for segregation in any form except for bike lanes. I think those are <laughs> very well, um uh, to, to have to keep everybody safe. Uh, so so yes. So it is a it, this is a sizable investment. Um, it, it won't get us all the way there, but it gets us a lot of the way there. Uh, and now the ball's over in the Senate courts, um, and so that's going to be. Where the attention shifts uh, over the next uh, month or so, and and keep in mind, Leslie. I think at the end of this, that Washington, as you know, is a place that is driven by deadlines. Yep. And so, funding for our existing uh, surface transportation programs uh, expires at the end of September. And so, what I believe we can expect is some deal, you know, as we approach that deadline, uh, moving, you know, mo- moving into the fall weather. Uh, it's going to be increasingly more likely that we get uh, something done. And you also asked about the water. And so what is the water infrastructure? Uh, that's, the th- that's like what we didn't see happen in Flint for right. so long, where we need to replace lead water pipes. Uh, and do, I believe there's funding in the bill that would replace every lead water pipe uh, that still exists in municipal uh, water uh, water provision. Um, And would upgrade systems there, uh, both in terms of uh, wastewater and clean drinking water so that uh, so that we we uh, spread the availability of that to every corner of America. There are so many communities that are still left behind. um, And so we we need to make progress in that respect as well.
1: You know, our infrastructure is crumbling. You and I have talked about it. We've heard the president talk about it. And we've heard politicians, Democrat and Republican, talk about it, as well as voters. Um, This bill, a lot of people say, Invest in America Act of 2021, is a major down payment on improving that crumbling infrastructure. Um, But we were talking before that and when I opened about Buy America, right? And the bill includes uh, not only uh, preferences to Buy America, but critical Buy America preferences and uh, two things, one, can you talk about some of those preferences, and two, will this create new and more manufacturing jobs?
2: Yeah, yeah absolutely, I'd be happy to, and so we've, we've had what are called these Buy America or Buy American laws uh, on the books since the, the 1930s, uh, so, and, and the idea is if the federal government is spending money or is granting money to the states to do things like building highways or bridges, Uh, that American workers should have the first shot at that. Obviously not only constructing those projects, but also providing the materials for that that project. And the rationale is that when you do that, you're kind of recycling tax dollars in the US and you're gonna create jobs here and you're gonna build up our capacity to be more resilient and to have that manufacturing know-how and that manufacturing capability. Um, We've talked before, about when that hasn't happened, like with the San Francisco-Oakland Bay Bridge, where Governor Schwarzenegger at the time made the decision to have that fabricated and made in China, and the problems uh, in terms of cost overruns and delays, uh, and also some uh, faulty welds uh, that were that were done in China that, that contributed to some some doubts about that that took a long time to remedy. But if you have it made in america some people will say well look that might cost a little bit more at the end of the day if you look at the life cycle cost of that project it is fractional fractionally more uh, if you're going to make that in the united states if at all what you get is a whole lot of middle class jobs particularly for people of color for women and for any anybody who doesn't necessarily have a four year college degree these are good family supporting jobs and that's the rationale behind the the buy American. The government saying so, to the so, states, if you get this money, you have to make sure that uh, the steel is coming from the United States. For
1: absolutely, and, and and you know, <laughs> hello, it should be right. Um, in in this legislation, all of the two hundred and nineteen Democrats in the House voted in favor of it. Only two Republicans joined them, uh, Congressman Chris Smith, Republican of New Jersey, and Brian Fitzpatrick from uh, Pennsylvania. Um, One, are you surprised there weren't more, especially because infrastructure is a bipartisan issue and this bill is a jobs creator? Uh, You know what? I'm going to take a break and I'm going to let you answer it on the other side because I don't want to limit you to 60 seconds or less, okay? So we're going to take a break. Uh, Welcome once again to LinkedIn Live. I'm Leslie Marshall. We're joined by Scott Paul, President of the Alliance for American Manufacturing. During the break, why don't you do this? We've been talking water. I'm going to get some water and you need to do this, even if you have your water with you, or if you don't, check out AmericanManufacturing.org. If you're interested in, as I am, knowing more about which companies are actually manufacturing their products here, which companies can you support as an American, and to buy American, check out AmericanManufacturing.org. Also, follow on Twitter, keep it made in USA, and follow Scott at Scott Paul, AAM. I'm Leslie Marshall, back with you, back with him right after this. Don't go away.
0: If you miss Leslie on TV this week, catch up at Leslie MarshallShow.com. Follow Leslie on Twitter. Just go to www.twitter.com slash Leslie Marshall and we'll be sure to share your tweets.
1: We are back. on Leslie Marshall. Welcome, welcome back. We are me, Leslie Marshall and Scott Paul. Scott is president of the Alliance for American Manufacturing. And we are talking to him about legislation that can help create more and more jobs, especially in the area of manufacturing. Be sure to check out the website for AAM, AmericanManufacturing.org. Follow Scott on Twitter at ScottPaulAAM and follow the AAM at Keep It Made in USA. If you want to keep it made, and keep purchasing as a consumer American products, check out their website and also follow them on Twitter. A lot of good information. It's helped me as a consumer, not just to be more informed about who's making what, and where it's being made, but also to purchase things for myself and my family and even as gifts. Uh, We're talking about the Invest in America Act of 2021. Before the break, I was asking Scott about the 219 Democrats that voted in favor of the passage, but only two Republicans, Congressman Chris Smith, Republican from Jersey and Brian Fitzpatrick, Republican from Pennsylvania. And Scott, I asked you before um, the break, uh, one, were you surprised it was only two, especially because infrastructure is a bipartisan issue and, and, and agreed uh, by both Democrats and Republicans that we can't keep kicking this issue and can down the road? And, and also, it's a job creator who doesn't want to go home to their district and say, I created this many jobs, especially good manufacturing jobs.
2: Yeah, it's a, it's a good question. And I think I'm probably going to give a very unsatisfying answer, which is yes and no. Um you know, I, I am surprised a bit because traditionally these types of infrastructure investments have had broad bipartisan support. If you look back to uh, the, um, the interstate highway system uh, under the Eisenhower administration in the 50s, uh, and then, you know, Reagan able to work with the uh, Democrats on expanding transit funding, you know, uh, unbelievably. Right. And, and so usually this has been a very bipartisan exercise. But what I think happened here is, you know, first you have this, you know, partisan atmosphere that's, I think, even more intense today uh, than it has been for a while. And you also have the fact that this uh, infrastructure bill also helps make progress on some of the administration's climate goals. So that's, uh, you know, I think that is something that some Republicans uh, weren't necessarily fond of, uh, and then you have other Republicans that just don't want to hand a victory to the Democrats and mm-hmm. Joe Biden, uh, and so it's being very crassly political. I mean, hopefully they'll they'll have another shot at this, uh, assuming the House and the Senate can uh, come to some agreement uh, on a uh, on a shared vision for for infrastructure. But the other thing that was surprising, Leslie, and I'll just say this you know, a lot of these Republican members asked for money for uh, highway bridge or other infrastructure projects in their home districts. In fact, more right. than a hundred of these Republicans did. Most of them got them. And they still were like, no, we're not going to vote for this. And so it's, uh, that's like having it, you know, w- wanting to say, I, it's like the folks who are going back to the Any of the uh, any of the relief money that was passed earlier this year. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, And they voted
1: they voted against
2: it it and then put out put put out like even billboards taking credit for it. Right. Marco Rubio did this and others. Crazy. Pretty crazy stuff. I I,
1: I want to talk about jobs and I want to talk specifically last month. Jobs that were gained in manufacturing. Fifteen thousand jobs in manufacturing in June. uh, Factories. Um, was the new figures that were released by the Bureau of Labor Statistics. And we look specifically in areas where furniture and, and parts related to that gained 9,000 jobs. Fabricated metals saw 6,000 new jobs. Primary, primary metals saw 3,000 new jobs, more to vehicles and parts. They lost 12,000 jobs. So a couple of things here. One, is the number 15,000 in a month in manufacturing a good gain? I mean, where does that you know, gain lie when you look at coming off a pandemic and and, and compared to the past years? And two, why the loss, why the downturn in motor vehicles and uh, motor vehicle
2: parts? Yeah, yeah. So interesting questions. And so first of all, 15,000 jobs, obviously we're happy there's 15,000 more factory jobs, but it is not keeping pace with what we need to do to both recover from the pandemic and provide some long-term sustained uh, growth in manufacturing jobs. It should be at least twice that much much at this point in time. And so there is still a disconnect there. Um, And specifically, I mean, one of the reasons why you see that, and, and you pointed to the loss in basically auto jobs, right? And one of the reasons for the loss in auto jobs is that there's still this supply chain whiplash that has occurred. And so these semiconductor chip shortages are causing assembly plants to basically go idle for a uh, for an amount of time could be days weeks or in some cases unfortunately months until they get a new supply of semiconductor chips to uh, put into the automobiles um and so that is also something that i think over time will work itself out and the u.s is intent on developing more of a capacity to do that and Other friendly manufacturers are ramping up their production. But this is the sad fact of what what happens if you only make uh, 10, 10, 12 percent of the world's semiconductors. You used to make 30 percent. You're very exposed to what other countries do on this. And so it's a good thing to get that back up. But in the meantime, it's having consequences for jobs. And so we're not getting the kind of job growth uh, that we should see uh, in the factory sector. Oh, overall,
1: manufacturing remains down almost a half a million jobs. Is is, is that correct? Yeah. And um, that they're low uh, since February of last year for over a year now, right? Because yeah. of COVID.
2: Yeah, yeah. The COVID, both the uh, you know the combination of just no one was behind anything for a while because they didn't know what was going on, and uh, some of the some of the restrictions obviously caused a lot of layoffs. Um, and so. Manufacturing brought some of that back. Uh, People are buying more cars than expected, so that's obviously a a good thing, Leslie. But it's still not caught all the way up. In fact, it's a long way to it, and you can do the math. If you're only if you're only adding 15,000 jobs a month, it's going to take a while to make up that half a million jobs uh, that that we saw uh, just uh, folks get laid off uh, at the very beginning of the uh, of the pandemic. Absolutely.
1: Um, I want to touch about uh, upon another win. 15,000 jobs is a win, not the kind of numbers we want to see, like you said. But we are on the heels of a pandemic. We're not out of this yet. We have now two variants, right, that uh, that have come, well, in one in the U.S. Delta and then Lambda, the other one coming. Uh, but in a win for American manufacturers and for the workers, the FTC, the Federal Trade Commission, approved a final rule to establish meaningful penalties for companies that have been found to have purposely mislabeled imported products as made in USA. I didn't know anybody could do that, but they can or have yeah. and they can't anymore, right?
2: Yeah. So, um I guess they still can, but they're going to get punished for it. Is is the is the is the difference. And so for a long time the Federal Trade Commission, which is an independent body that's appointed I'm sorry, a- I'm going to cut
1: you off again. Cuz we only I, have 60 seconds. Yeah. I'm so sorry and I want you to answer fully and I you know want to talk about. It. So we'll come back to this and we have some other issues. We're going to take a break. Thank you Scott. I apologize. Um, Scott is so gracious when I jump in and go. Wait a minute, because I, you know I, you know this. When I talk to you, I sometimes forget we're on the air because we talk I like this off the air. Yeah. The other thing yeah. is I forget when we're on the air. Oh yeah, We have a clock and we're up against time. And even though Mark, uh, Marky Marky's exec, executive producer Grimaldi uh, will tell me, shut up in 30 seconds, like right now with a smiley face. You and I, I'm so engaged in what you're telling me. Yeah. I don't notice. Sorry, Mark. I don't notice all the time. We're going to take a break. We'll be back with Scott Paul, president of the AAM, and you right after this. Do not go away. are back. I'm Leslie Marshall. Welcome or welcome back. Our guest is Scott Paul, president of the Alliance for American Manufacturing. Check them out. Their website is AmericanManufacturing.org. Follow Scott on Twitter at scott paul aam, and follow the AAM at Keep It Made in USA. We had another cliffhanger before the break uh, when I was uh, talking with Scott about a new Uh, Made in USA labeling rule that's a victory for American manufacturers, a win for American manufacturers and for the workers. Uh, The Federal Trade Commission, the FTC, approved a final rule to establish meaningful penalties for companies found to have purposely mislabeled imported products as Made in USA. Because, you know, there's some of you out there, myself included. Unless you have to, you don't want to buy things made in Taiwan, made in China, made HO in Mexico, or, or, or made in Bangladesh or India. You want to buy stuff made right here in the United States of America. Scott, thanks for holding. Welcome back. Okay. Um, You know, is, isn't like false advertising and, and, and lying against the law? Or, you know, what what does this law do um, so that, and, and certainly this is a win for manufacturers and for workers and for consumers, Um, but wh- why? Why is this something now? Shouldn't have this been something all along that, you know, you just can't lie? You know, we deal with that with organic being put on our food.
2: Sure. So, just, yeah, just like a, you know, consumers have a right to know an advertised price for a product. Uh, a long time ago, uh, lawmakers established that they should have a right to know the country of origin of the, of the product that they're buying and, and consuming. And that applies to everything really, uh, in a physical label, okay, and we'll get to the physical label part in a second because we're (sighs) in a very digital (laughs) economy here. But the other the other aspect of that is that then, you know, defining what Made in America is, and it doesn't mean Made in America if you've largely brought the product to the United States and then you slap a screw on it and say, hey, we did something here, it's Made in America. Has to be what they call kind of substantial transformation, which is very technical. It means they have to add a lot of value here in the United States if they're going to call it made in America. Now there are companies that get caught up in that uh, and that aren't really transforming things, and then there are the companies that are just blatantly lying about their products. And there was a company called Patriot Puck that made hockey pucks that they advertised as being made in America. It turns out. They weren't at all. Not a single bit of them was made in the United States. But what happened well, when it when a case was brought at the Federal Trade Commission, which adjudicates this, is that Patriot Park, they said, they basically said to them, "Don't do this again." And that was it. There was no penalty. There was no repercussions for this firm. And so, if all not, you're not even
1: get, not even a slap on yeah. the hand,
2: yeah, if all you're going to get is a is a mild scolding. Uh, But there are no other consequences. Uh, You're going to what's to lose? What do these companies have to lose, uh, you know, by by abiding by the labeling law? And so the commissioners voted to strengthen the enforcement of it. And they had just started to uh, strengthen the enforcement of these laws uh, about a year and a half ago and uh, imposed monetary damages on a firm for the first time uh, for doing this. And so now it's going to be more frequent. And instead of just some consultation with the staff and they'll write some letter that will kind of left them off the hook, these companies that mislabel, that falsely label are gonna have to pay real consequences for that. And then a, the, the commissioners also said, and this is a big frustration, how do we shop now? Many people shop online. If you look online for products, the odds are very, very good that you will not discover what the country of origin of that product is. So I challenge anybody now to go on an online marketplace of their choosing and try to find what the country of origin of an item of clothing or any other product is. It is exceptionally difficult. And so the commissioner said that some, some types of online advertising, you must include the country of origin on it now and congress is even trying to step a take a step further on that in the the, the senate passed that uh, that competitiveness bill last month and
1: we have a right as yeah. consumers to know where things are manufactured where things are produced yeah. where things are made just yeah. as much as we have a right to know what are the materials that go into it what are the ingredients that go into it we we, we yeah. have that or should have that right as consumers
2: Absolutely, this is about consumers' right to know. Because you do, you you want to know what goes into that product, and, and then the, the 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 importers will say, "Well, that's burdensome. We don't know," but but yet they go into excruciating detail about the colors, mm-hmm. the sizes, mm-hmm. all of that. They can't figure out, you know, whether where it's imported from. Come on, they just they want to mask it. And here's why, and this is the other reason for doing this, is that there is a value to the made in America label. People willing to pay more for it. It could mean jobs, it could mean quality, it could mean sustainability, it could be mean about supporting the community. There could be a thousand different reasons why they why a consumer has for supporting the Made in America label. But what happens to the manufacturer who's facing that competition is that it erodes the value of the Made in America label if that label was not enforced. So this will help with jobs and manufacturing and the companies that are doing the right thing in the United States as well. So it's a win for consumers, it's a win for workers, and it's a win for companies that have stood by their workers in the United States as well.
1: Well, also, like you had said, um, you know, you said yourself, Scott, the Made in USA label matters, and it doesn't matter if anybody can just throw that around. Uh, Anything you want to say on that before we move on to uh, another issue?
2: no other than this is a this is long overdue Absolutely. and i know the ftc and you probably cover a lot of these others too are trying to take on big companies big tech uh, to rein in the power this is one step for that because this is going to go at walmart and going to go at amazon and these online marketplaces and make sure that they are protecting consumers and protecting this label more than they have in the
1: past? Um, I want to talk about um, economy. I want to talk about uh, benefits and specifically uh, based on trade deals, right? I mean, we have decades of trade deals that we are finding out when, you know, the devil is in the details. And when you look at the details, we really only had a slight benefit with these uh, trade deals uh, specifically to, you know, our economy. This is not my opinion, right? Um, We've had four decades of U.S. trade agreements that have had only a small positive impact. And that, uh, you know, whether you look at economic growth or growth of employment, right? Uh, This is the U.S. International Trade Commission. Uh, They had a report that was ordered by the U.S. Congress. Uh, They started as a base year 2017, and they estimated the trade deals had increased economic output by 88.8 billion, or just 0.5%. And the trade packs increased overall U.S. employment by 485,000 full-time equivalent jobs, but that's only 0.3%. Again, sounds like a big number. And this is based on a model that assumes the economy is at a long-run full employment uh, level. Um, Talk to us about why this report matters and if you, as president of the AAM, are surprised with its findings.
2: Yeah, thanks, Leslie. I am not surprised with this findings. The benefits of these free trade agreements are vastly oversold. Um, reminds me of the snake oil salesman from, you know, 100 years ago. They'll do everything. They will increase jobs. They'll make the environment better. They'll spread democracy around the world. It's a win-win. Everybody will be better off. This, this was the claim of all of these trade agreements. And then, so it's good to have an independent body. Is examined them, and th- and by the way, this inter- independent body, the International Trade Commission, it has no axe to grind at all. It is completely objective. And they basically said, technical term, meh, you know, it's, it's, it hasn't done all that much uh, for our general welfare in the United States. But what it has done, and I know you know this as well, and, and your listeners did, is that in in communities around the country, that saw their factories closed down when those jobs got shipped overseas, more often than not, those communities never recovered. Those families never recovered. And this had profound implications for the United States, profound economic implications, uh, because it, you know, lower wage work replaced this manufacturing work. that had profound social implications. In communities that saw factories shut down, you saw higher divorce rates, higher rates of self-harm, and, and, and so many other factors like that. And that it's obviously had profound political consequences as well, where people flocked to folks like Donald Trump thinking that he could sell them something different. And that turned out to be a fraud too, but they were desperate for a way out of this and, and to blame someone else. And so I hope this will inform the Biden administration as it moves forward thinking about a trade agenda. And it has promised a worker-centered trade agenda. I mean, that's what that's what any trade official in the Obama administration, or, I mean, or in the Biden administration, sorry, says every time they're asked about trade, we're gonna have a worker-centered trade agenda. I, I want them to see, stick to that, and, and to see them stick to that. It's gonna be for our benefit if they do well-
1: We're going to take a quick break when we come back. We're going to talk more uh, about these uh, trade rules, about the Biden administration, and about some things that were started in the Trump administration on trade with other countries. I'm Leslie Marshall. We'll be back with Scott Paul, president of the AAM, right after this. Don't go away.
0: If you miss Leslie on TV this week, catch up at LeslieMarshallShow.com.
1: I'm back up listening, Marshall. I'll leave my microphone for a minute so you wouldn't hear me chewing my apple there. Uh, anyway, uh, I am your host, and Scott Paul is our guest president of the AAM, the Alliance for American Manufacturing. When we're talking about manufacturing, we're talking before the break about trade and uh, trade rules. Um, Scott, thank you for holding uh, welcome back. With regard to the International Trade Commission's report uh, that basically found the trade deals Uh, had not increased economic output by the numbers we'd like to see um, or increased, uh, you know, job growth at the numbers we'd like to see. Um, Is that unlikely to spur the Biden administration to negotiate new trade deals?
2: Yeah, that's a good question. And so Biden is certainly getting pressure, even from some members of his own party, from big businesses, from Republicans to, negotiate additional trade agreements, because that's been the American government tradition to do that. But as we've just discussed, it hasn't worked out like we've suggested it. And so I think Biden would be right to, first of all, focus on some immediate concerns, like how does trade impact climate change, for instance? You know, and you think about all the gazillions of dollars of imports coming from China, on those cargo ships across the Pacific that have bunker fuel, and the, the, the pollution that occurs in countries like China that don't have the, the, the carbon constraints or other pollution constraints that we do here, and what impacts that had. So I think that doing it, not through a philosophical point of lens, like well, we have to do this because we have to do free trade agreements, but rather saying what's best for the climate? What's best for workers in this country? What's actually gonna create jobs here? I think those are the right questions to ask. And I do think the, the Biden administration is going to be very, very careful uh, as they proceed on this. And at the same time, they are trying to reestablish connections with the rest of the world, including many of our trade partners, who felt very jilted by Trump's approach. Uh, and, and Trump was right to look at trade policy and say, I think we have a problem here, but he also did a lot of poking in the eye instead of problem solving. And so, uh, if Biden can focus on the problem solving, I think we'll all be better served by that approach. Uh, How is it going to go,
1: is it, how will it, it doesn't seem that it'll bode well for countries like the United Kingdom, Kenya, um, who had negotiations that was started in the last administration and Trump's administration. you know, because if you look at the numbers, and we're not boosting U.S. economy or creating jobs by those negotiations, um, you know, will they kind of fall flat from where they started in the Trump administration? Now in the Biden administration, especially with the information we're finding in this report.
2: Yeah, I, I think that I think they do become less. of Those those types of agreements become less of a priority. It is certainly important to both uh, have connections with countries around the world, to have trade connections with countries around the world. The way in which we do that, I think the Biden administration uh, is right to be very careful about it, and so it's not going to go in and say, "At the say we want an agreement with the UK, we don't care what it looks like." I think it's going to care a great deal uh, to, to, uh, about what it looks like to, to this administration. But, but yes, Leslie, I think you're correct. The fact that uh, the this information about the the kind of big, you know, blah, what really happened with these trade deals. Uh, is going to say, well, you know what, is this really the most important thing that we ought to be uh, shifting our attention to? Or should we be looking at public investment in the United States, uh, changing the rules of trade so that they benefit workers and the climate uh, here in the United States uh, and issues like that?
1: Um, the the Biden administration has been very critical of uh, some sectors uh, of not American manufacturing workforce but what has happened to the American manufacturing workforce um, he said uh, they they, the American manufacturing workers have been repeatedly asked to make sacrifices for others and it would it would seem that this report supports that uh, assumption because what the ITC also noted and found in their um, research was that, the jobs were not distributed e- evenly. The biggest gains were estimated for college-educated male workers. Hello? College-educated male workers don't have as much of a problem finding jobs as blue-collar male and female and minority workers.
2: Yeah. Yeah, the patriarchy is doing okay, right? I mean, I know that many of them feel like they're not, but uh, they're, they're doing fine. It's everybody else who has been falling behind. And that's been the the problem, that's been the challenge, is that trade hasn't been inclusive and it's hurt workers with blue collar pedigrees and uh, who don't have a four-year college degree. It's hurt workers of color as well. And so uh, Biden is exactly right in his criticism.
1: Well, let's talk about Kim Kardashian. Now, I know some people might say, why is Leslie Marshall talking with Scott Paul, president of the AM, about Kim Kardashian? But Kim Kardashian has a shapewear line uh, sk- skims. Uh, they uh, provide shape and, and loungewear, and they're going to be providing and outfitting our Olympians with that shapewear and loungewear. Team USA, when they go to the uh, Tokyo Olympics for 2021 Tokyo Olympics, they're going to be outfitted with Kim Kardashian's you, uh, their shapewear line. Um, she shared the news on June 28th. It was on an Instagram post, um, and uh, she stated that her uh, stepfather, who's now, her stepmother, Caitlyn Jenner, instilled Olymp- Olympian values of dedication and honor in her when she was a child. But where are these shapewear products, uh, skims, where are they made?
2: Uh, the short answer is not here. Um, and the, the challenge is, look, again, it is a free country. It's a free world. You can make your products wherever you want. But if you're doing it for the U.S. Olympic team... Come on, have some pride in your country. And I don't you know Spanx the you know which obviously uh, preceded skims by a lot, uh, Sarah Blakely, their founder, was intent on having those produced in the United States of America uh, when, when she started up the company. And so um, I'm sure and, and other Kardashians have found a way to produce products in the United States, the good America, uh jeans, which uh, I believe Chloe uh, is responsible for, and Kylie Jenner's lipstick, all made in, in not only the United States, in California, Leslie. So you can, they can find a way to do this, but right. it's just wrong. And they should ask Ralph Lauren. He outfitted the Olympic team in 2014. It was all made overseas. He got so much crap for that right. um, that he said, mea culpa, I'm wrong. And the next time out for the Winter Olympics, he made sure that that, that those clothing, uh, that clothing was sourced in the United States of America, and it was a huge hit. All of that stuff sold out for consumers uh, as well. It was extraordinary.
1: We know that Kim Kardashian is huge as the Kardashians are our social media influencer. On Twitter, um, you uh, you you wrote. Uh, Kim Kardashian, congrats on SKIMS being selected to dress the U.S. Olympic team. Can we ask where these garments are going to be manufactured? Did she or anyone from the SKIMS organization or the Kardashian clan respond?
2: We haven't heard from them. And then Yahoo News picked it up, uh, asked as well. I don't think they've heard. Um, And again, it's just one of those things that is common sense. And I agree it's great to celebrate Olympian values, but I also— believe that we as a nation, we have a lot to be proud of. And I know that there are workers in this country who would love the opportunity to supply products yeah. for our Olympians. They would like nothing better uh, than to do that. And so to be not denied that opportunity is a shame. Well, you know, an,
1: another thing the Kardashians have the kind of money um, to certainly make sure that since your tweet that uh, SKIMS is made in, in the United States, um, there are certainly some factories in Los Angeles that, uh, you know, went dormant during COVID and could be used uh, right here in the L.A. area because they live in the L.A. area. Uh, they live in Calabasas, you know, uh, not, not far from here in L.A. County. Um, and uh, you, I know, tweeted out a thank you to Yahoo for picking up the story Uh, Kardashian, uh, Skims, representatives for the Kardashian and Skims have not responded, as you said, to your inquiry. And it's not just an inquiry. I mean, seriously, I mean, if you're going to say, well, we can't have an athlete go because they turned their back on the American flag. Well, aren't we turning our back on the American flag by not outfitting our Olympians in American-made, American-manufactured materials and products and assembly, assemblance of those materials and products to be on the back of people going <laughs> overseas to represent the United States of America. Last minute to you.
2: Amen, Leslie. And that's why you are a radio show talk host and I am a policy wonk because you just crystallized <laughs> that in a beautiful, repeatable way that I hope everybody gets to hear. It is spot on. And all the Kardashians have to do is call up Ralph Lauren and ask how it went back in 2014 for him uh, when he didn't bother to source his uh, products for the Olympians uh, from the United States. It did not go well.
1: No, it didn't. And especially when she seems to want to be even elevating her brand, Skims, and Kim Kardashian, uh, even more. Well, I want to elevate Scott Paul's brand in the AAM Go to their website, AmericanManufacturing.org. Check it out. They can tell you American products, where they're made, how to get them, and uh, who's putting them out there. Follow them on Twitter at KeepItMadeInUSA. Follow Scott at ScottPaulAAM. I'm Leslie Marshall. Marco Marcovaldi is our executive producer without him. Have me. We wouldn't have a show.